The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of H2O. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm sitting across from my co-editor over at HorrorForMe.com, Mr. Timothy Harvey. Hello. And... From the mailbag, we'll start there because uh, we do we do like it when we get feedback from our listeners. Yes, we do. We have been asking for a number of weeks now. If you're a listener on iTunes, we would like to know because we have absolutely no way of knowing right now because iTunes – and I think they're under fire for this now. iTunes uh, does not release any of their data. Yeah, and uh, I, and, I would imagine they probably are. And we get we get uh, information from podcast dot com, which hosts our our audio clips, so we can see who's downloading from there. But we don't have any way of knowing how many people listen on iTunes. And I know we have people that listen on iTunes. One of those, of course, is Doug in California, who sent us an email. He says, "You've been asking for people listening on iTunes to let you know we're listening. I listen on the Apple Podcast Player on my iPhone." Now, for those of you who listen on iPhone, I'm on an Android, you're on an Android, I'm in, yeah? yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so Doug has an issue, a technical issue. I'm going to throw this out to the to the Apple users in our in our listening group, see if we can figure this out. Doug says, I can't figure out how to rate or like the podcast, I'm assuming from the app. He says, I've touched every icon I can see, and I don't see any way to like or rate them. Um, so if any of you are out there, use the iPhone podcast player app i guess on a mobile device mm-hmm. if you know where that shiny red candy like button is <laughs> with which you can rate and uh, and share and and do all sorts of nice fun unicorn things let us know h2o at sci-fi for me.com and we will share that with doug and and we will uh we will be ever so grateful yeah, because the only way we can tell that people are even listening to it is if they rate it or like it or whatever the process is. Right. And that and it, even then, we may not get all of that data because Apple doesn't doesn't right. do anything. But it does give but it does give us a little bit of an idea because right. I can go in and look and see what we're doing for say Zompocalypse now and see how many downloads we've had and and downloads and plays on Podcast dot com count as the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I can see that and go aha, this many people. Yes. Know, we're listening to the episode. But we can't really see anything over on iTunes, and that's a little disappointing. But. Right. Well, and and uh, I, I don't even remember where I saw it. There was, a, there was an article that came across one of my news feeds uh, that is um, not the first time that I've seen this, but apparently the, the podcast community is up in arms and is getting a little bit more vocal about the fact that Apple doesn't release this data, nor will they allow for podcasts to be monetized as music is mm-hmm. or you know other, other kind of content that you generate for, for podcasts. They don't allow that stuff to be anything that generates revenue. Right. Which is a shame because... If you could generate revenue with your podcast, you want to look at all of the different ways that you can do that. Of course. Well, and and the the explosion of the podcast as a thing in mm-hmm. general, I mean, has been pretty amazing over the last several years. Yes. And you have these things that are, you know, uh, worldwide phenomenons in some cases. And if you, if one of the biggest game in town for getting that out into to people to not be able to figure out what your feedback is. I mean, yeah. to really get that you know that kind of direct uh, information is, is iTunes, frustrating. The, the iTunes market share apparently has dropped um, because at one point they were they were the top dog. They're still the top dog, mm-hmm. but uh, I think last last year to this year or, or pre- previous years, it's gone it's gone from something like seventy percent saturation down to sixty five percent, which Five uh, percent, right? But it's iTunes. That's a significant drop compared to other things. And and now we've got, um, I think Google Play mm-hmm. is getting involved, and right. they've got a they've got uh, a podcast specific 
uh, app they're they're rolling out. So yeah, it's the the landscape for podcasting has certainly changed. And, and I don't think it's I don't think it started with serial. A lot of people go back and and they look at serial, but that was only a couple of years ago. People have been listening on podcasts for years now. Right. And it's just only in the last I'd say maybe four or five years it's really gained momentum mm-hmm. because people people get this. You know, we're on the go all the time and you've right. got your mobile devices that now allow for that kind of media to be stored everywhere. So yeah, I it's yeah. It would it would be nice for iTunes to play nice. Well, and I think that, that every business when you got them the lion's share of the market mm-hmm. and suddenly you have competitors who are eating at that share you have to react, yeah. and and one of the ways they could react, which would be beneficial ultimately, would be to sit there and say, oh, "Okay, here you go. Here's here's your actual data." Right. So you know, and even if they're giving you just general generalities, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be fine with uh, download count mm-hmm. and uh, percentage completion. Yeah. You know how many how many people actually listen to the end. I would just settle for download count because once they've got it downloaded, that counts as. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, you know, but you want you want but, to know that people well, are listening. But once you've downloaded, there's no way for them to tell that they've listened to it. I mean, oh, that's true. That's you know, true. That's so, true. Unless they're playing it from the player. Right. Right. In which yeah. case, yeah. So mm, that would be a metadata thing, I would expect, because even if you download it, if the metadata is there, uh, you could you could write the code. You could write something in the metadata that would allow for something oh, sure. to get yeah, kicked my, back to say, "Hey, you only listened to five minutes of this." Oh yeah, there's a feedback thing. My my Audible account, um, when I finish listening to a, a book, mm-hmm. it will sit there and go, "Congratulations, you finished listening to a book. Would you like to share that information? Would you like to?" Right. And they give away little badges. They give you the option, sure. To sit there and go, "Hey, you've listened to a ridiculous amount of maybe, maybe audio this week." <laughs> maybe that's what we ought to do. Maybe that's what we ought to do. We ought to, we ought to come up with, um, we ought to come up with an iTunes listener badge. There you go. You know, or a podcast.com badge or mm-hmm. something. You know, say, "I listen to Sci-Fi from Your Radio." A little, a little Sci-Fi from Your Radio badge that they can put different places because we got we got web badges for our staff. Sure. We could have some for our audience. Yeah, sure, why not? What do you think, audience? Would you like a badge? Let us know. We'll give you a badge. <laughs> we'll give you a nice, we'll, and a shiny, candy-like badge. And we'll shake your hand and say, thank you very much. You're yes. very kind. Yes, virtually speaking. Virtually, yes. Well, yes. possibly in person. Send us an email, h2o at sci fi com. Speaking of being in person. Yes. We are going to be in person. We're going to be recording our 115th episode at Planet Comic Con. Yeah. Which is next week. Yeah. Coming up quick. Yeah. It just suddenly was here after how many months we've been sitting and planning and scheming and (laughs) cussing and discussing. So, yeah. That's coming up. Planet Comic Con at Bartle Hall in Kansas City next weekend. Mm -hmm. Lots of celebrities that are going to be out there. We're going to get a few interviews, I'm hoping. We're going to be on the floor quite a bit. Uh, talking to various different people, writers and authors and illustrators, and comic book guys, and always a cool time. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to see Jenna Coleman's going to be here, Dan- uh, Daniel Panabaker, mm-hmm. um, George Takei, Edward James Olmos, right? Uh, Gigi Edgeley. Who else? Kevin Smith is going to be in on Friday oh, oh, night. Oh, oh, oh. Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell is going to be here at least for Friday. We don't know about Saturday yet. Kevin Smith will be on Friday night mm-hmm. for a for a. It's a specific ticketed thing. It's separate. Right. You know, a night with Kevin Smith. Even, it's part of the evening. part of the evening with Kevin Smith series. Yeah. So they're going to report one there. So that'll be uh, that'll be a fun thing. And of course, all the cosplay. Oh yeah, so, love lots of pictures. Yeah, yeah. So you can find those on our. We'll, we're going to post them on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can find us over there. And I and we're going to try to get some man on the street video type of stuff. Uh, that we'll post at various different places. Sure. So that'll be that'll be fun. Now to the other part of Doug's email. Yes, because this is something we've asked for as well. If you have ideas for topics that we can discuss, or if you have you know suggestions or questions or you know stuff you want to know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking at some point maybe we ought to do a stump the host type of thing. <laughs> we may have to do that live. Maybe yeah. we'll do that on 115. There you go. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, on uh, that episode, we're also going to be giving away a SuperheroStuff.com Hero Box. Our fine sponsors. Yes, they, they do sponsor the show. They have sponsored this show for, well, that episode will be their 100th episode uh, as a sponsor of this show. So and we're that gonna... was the period that we went 
That's weekly. when we went weekly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So Doug's, uh, the, the rest of Doug's email here, he says, I really enjoy you guys. Most of the time you discuss some sort of news of the day. I think it would be cool if sometimes you picked up some theme from sci-fi and had a discussion about it. Here's my idea I would like to get your opinion on. Being a sci-fi fantasy fan requires some suspension of disbelief. You have to believe in aliens who can shoot lasers out of their eyes, warp drives, and magic wands full of phoenix feathers. Sometimes writers or directors take suspension of disbelief beyond belief. A couple of examples would be Superman lifting an island made of kryptonite and Khan having a long-range transporter that transported him halfway across the galaxy. When did that happen? Um... That was that was that movie that called Star Trek Three. They call it Star Trek Three, but it's not really Star Trek Three. No. It's Star Trek Thirteen. <laughs> um, Doug continues. I'm sure there are plenty of other examples out there, and it would be fun to have the other listeners give their own examples and have you guys discuss how far you can take the idea before the whole thing falls apart and becomes silly and just takes you out of the story. Anyway, love your work. Keep it up. I look forward every week to each new podcast. Doug in California. Thank, Thank you very you, Doug. much, Doug. Yes. And that is proof that we read every email that comes to us. Mm-hmm. We don't ignore you. It's true. Yes. And we so, love it when, you, when, when folks actually have questions and, and, and thoughts about things that are yeah. neat ideas and, and criticisms, of course, but, but oh, sure. obviously uh, ideas of stuff for us to talk about because the sci-fi for me portion, the horror for me portion of the title of these of these websites. Yeah, the for me part is, is all of us. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's an interesting question. I mean, the whole suspension of disbelief that that you bring to the genre um is almost is almost a requirement mm-hmm. because otherwise, you know, half well, 80% of the stories that we've got now wouldn't work. At all, but there are there are matters of degrees. For example, just to, to touch on that on that con transporter thing, it's one of the of the two. And of course, you haven't seen the movie. What uh, movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into Darkness. <laughs> um, there's there's two moments in that where the ramifications of what they what just happened would completely change the Star Trek universe. I mean, beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would it would, and oddly enough, it would. Bring it a lot closer to what Gene Roddenberry had in mind for at various points, right? Um, and which people said, "No, Gene, we can't do that." Yeah. So it's been very, you know, it's it's those moments happen, and it yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic. Yeah. So I think let's let's cover that, and we'll do a, we'll do a little prep work. If you if you out there in the listening audience have suggestions of of places where the plots kind of fell thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your suspension of disbelief was challenged, uh, let us know, h2o at sci-fi for me.com, or uh, leave us a comment and share with us your thoughts, and we'll we'll try to get to that. I think, I think next week would be a good one if we can get enough uh, put together in time to do the proper prep on that because I don't want to skimp. Well, I'm sure there are oh, yeah. plenty of examples of, of that kind of thing. So uh, we, will, we will look at that in our next episode. Episode. Speaking of suspension of disbelief, yes, and Star Trek Three. You know this the this MTV gig that I've been doing for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. Uh, well, they're they're coming back in town, and uh, I was contacted and said, "Hey, guess what? You know those uh, those rolling whiteboards that we that we ordered and decided not to use, and then decided to use. Well, we ordered yeah. two more. Of course." So I had to meet them uh, over there yesterday and start uh, start assembling these, and I I honestly I don't know where this came from, but I'm in I'm in the 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 location and on set right building these things, and out of the blue, I get this this niggling thought that pops into my head. Mm-hmm. And I realize there's a fundamental flaw in Star Trek Three. Oh, now it's taken me thirty years to realize <laughs> oh, it. Oh no! <laughs> yes, but there's a fundamental flaw in the sequence of events in Star Trek Three. Uh, and before everybody starts screaming at me, I'll, I'll, let me let me take everybody through this. Okay, so at the beginning of the movie, Spock is dead. Right. Right. 
Star Trek II, they fired him off in a torpedo. It flamed around in, in orbit, and the suggestion was that it was going to burn up in orbit. Right. That was the original idea. Mm-hmm. Burial in space. Burial in space. In the book, Star Trek III, Vonda McIntyre, expands that story and, and says that Savick reprogrammed the torpedo to soft land on the planet. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, Kirk does not know this. Right. Okay, so he's he's on his way back to Earth. He's he, he knows that Spock is dead. Spock is gone. There's nothing else he can do. McCoy has the Katra, which they discover uh, after Sarek comes to, to Kirk and says, Why didn't you bring Spock's Katra to Vulcan? Right. Kirk's like, Well, I, I didn't know. I don't have it. I don't know what you're talking about. So they figure out McCoy's got it. And, in again, in the book, Spock's will detailed that he'd be buried in space. There's, there's, there, he requested that he not be taken back to Vulcan for burial. It's just, you know, Spock, he's Starfleet, he goes, you know, buried in space. Sure. Of course, it's the book, so it's not canon as far as the movies go. Right. But still, at this point, Kirk doesn't know that Spock's body is on Genesis. Mm-hmm. Nor does he know that Spock's body has been rejuvenated. Right. Okay? Now, keep that in mind, because now Kirk has to go to Admiral Morrow and ask for his ship. Mm-hmm. Because Sarek has requested that they bring Spock's Katra to Mount Salea to be put into the Hall of Ancient Thought. Well, correction there. Kirk has to go to Morrow to get permission to go to Genesis because it's a, it's a prescribed planet. You, you're not allowed Ex- except, to go. Right. Except, except, see, this is where it breaks down. <laughs> this is where it breaks down because all of a sudden it struck me. I, it hit me. Why would he need to go to Genesis? Because at this point in the movie, Kirk has no knowledge that Spock's body is on Genesis. That's one. Two, Sarek says, bring the Katra mm-hmm. to Vulcan. Mm-hmm. The Katra is on Earth in McCoy. So right. all, all really, all Kirk would need to do is take McCoy to Vulcan. I mean, it's a straight, it's a, you know, give me a ship, I'll go to Vulcan. Because at that point, because Vulcan's not off limits. True. And then you've got the ambassador to Vulcan asking a, a decorated hero admiral of, of Starfleet to do mm-hmm. this favor. How? At no point in there do they know that Spock's still alive. Nor are they talking about refusion at that point. They're just taking they'll take the Katra back to the Hall of Ancient Thought in Mount Salea. Sarek doesn't know there's a body. Sarek doesn't know there needs to be a body. I have. It occurs to me that there is a couple of reasons that this could happen, why this would happen. First is Kirk's own humanness. We have a tendency to, uh, you know, want to reunite a body with, to bury a body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't leave your people behind, right? But, I mean, leaving aside the fact that he, he at this point doesn't know there's a body there, right. there's that. I mean, there's a, there's a societal programming that, that Kirk's going to have anyway. But the other thing is, of course, is that McCoy kept trying to go to Genesis. Yeah. Why? Well, he's the one with Spock in his head, so... But I'm they, gonna, but they don't know there's a body. But I'm going to have to go back and take a look at it, because it's the kind of thing that, if it slipped past us, it slipped past everybody. And that's... <laughs> I mean, you know, there's got yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is there that would have made it feel like we're like, okay, fine, yeah. yes, all right. I mean, aside from the fact that we want to see Spock back from the dead, right. I mean, that's that's sort of a given right there. But um, I, re- I remember there's something there. There's something there that would make us think that that would be a, a, a perfectly acceptable behavior for Kirk and, and crew to do. I remember seeing Leonard Maltin's review of Star Trek Three mm-hmm. on Entertainment Tonight, and they start with a clip when Kirk goes into Spock's. Uh, quarters, and right. you hear Spock's voice saying, you left me on Genesis. Why did you do that? And Leonard Maltin turns to the camera and says, well, it's because they wanted to have a sequel. It's <laughs> 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 like, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those things where you know, at at that point, 
know, the sequence of events is such because they they hadn't even they haven't even gone down to the planet yet. Right. And they don't know it's Spock. All mm-hmm. they know there's a life form. Right. On on Genesis and there shouldn't be. Well, and the and they initially what they find at the pod is a life form. Yeah. But it's not, it's not Spock. Spock, yeah. And they're under they're under a communications blackout, so nobody back home is going to know that that any of this is going on mm-hmm. yet. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back. And, I'd have to go back and watch it again, just because it depends on how the where the emotional emphasis hits. Because if Kirk is, if the emotional part that's hitting Kirk is "you left me behind on Genesis," mm-hmm. that's the overriding part. Because if the if the if the ghost, the spirit sure. of Spock is saying "you." left me behind you'll be visited by three spirits um yeah. and, there, and, well, and there, not only that not only that aside from leaving aside the cultural uh fact that that we tend to like bodies to bury historically i mean we're we're as, as a species we we have there's a ritual there's a ceremony there's right you know we put our we store we store our we store our our dead um but, but there's also the military yeah viewpoint of you don't leave you don't leave you know, a that's, fallen that's comrade's true. body behind that's either. True. So I'd have to, I, it, you may very well be right. And well, and in the, <laughs> in the novel, Vonda McIntyre's novelization, mm-hmm. not only do we have, you know, Savick reprogramming the thing, but there's a mention, apparently Spock's will mm-hmm. designated that he doesn't, that he d- didn't have to go back to Vulcan. Right. You know, buried in space and that kind of thing. So so there is some dialogue in the book that basically says Spock's will didn't say anything about bringing him home. Right. Okay, so there's that. But if they're when they're looking at the flight recorder and they figure out that Sp- that that Spock put his Katra into McCoy, mm-hmm. you know, one alive, one not, both in pain, and Kirk says, "What must I do?" And Sarek says, "You must bring them to Vulcan by way of Genesis." I mean, that's not what he says. He says, you must bring them to Vulcan. Well, but then again, it also because becomes... Because they just want to retrieve the Katra out of McCoy to put in the Hall of the Ancient Thought. Nobody, there's, there's, no, there's no discussion any, at any point at that point about refusion. Because they didn't know there was a body. Well, but again, if depending on where the focus, emotional focus hits Kirk. And that could easily be, you know, you left me behind on Vulcan. Mm-hmm. You must bring them... We tend to think right. of them as being separate entities. Um, them is plural, right? And even if it's a person, you know, well, possessed. Yeah, that's McCoy still that, that's is them. possessed by <laughs> Spock. <I>, yeah, <laughs> Star Trek is a horror movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nemesis certainly was. Um, <clears throat> eh, you know what? Yeah. Nemesis. Nemesis gets a bad rap. Nemesis does get a bad rap, and the problem with Nemesis is that it. Um, it makes you. It tries to reassess the Romulans in a way that was unnecessary, mm-hmm. and and in fact does it in a particularly odd way. It's not like a, uh, you know, we've got we've delved deeper into Romulan culture. It's we've delved deeper into Romulan culture, and guess what? Most of them are monsters. <sighs> you know, yeah, the, it's yeah. Like, where did these guys come from? Yeah, I know. Um, we, nobody had ever heard of Remans up until that point. Right. And so you end up with a, a, a disconnect by people spending time going, huh? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the kind of the question of why on earth they would think that force growing a clone of Picard would really be a good plan. This yeah. clones never work. <laughs> okay, folks. It didn't work for Emperor, Emperor Palpatine. No. And he had, he was Emperor. He was emperor of the known galaxy, you know? Yeah. It didn't work out. Did not. No. Dark Empires? Great comic (laughs) book series. Didn't work out. Yeah. Mandalorians? Boba Fett? Not as cool as it was when he, we didn't know anything about it. Do you see, uh, do you see the, the, the rumor? I guess, I guess it's been confirmed now. Tom Hardy Mm going to be in episode eight. Apparently he's going to be a stormtrooper. Some people were talking about him coming back as Boba Fett, being the new Boba Fett in episode eight. See, the problem with, with him being the new Boba Fett is that we never need to see Boba Fett's face again. Well, we never need to see Boba Fett ever. Well, that's true. But if we have Boba Fett come back, we don't need to see his face again. Right. Because it's not important. The thing about, and, and this, is, this is an example, and there was an article, I think I want to say it was on io9 a while back, where they were talking about 
Why are you reading 909 still? <laughs> <laughs> because I, you know, they're like old friends who aren't there anymore. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate, but you know, so they're, but they were doing a thing of, of places where the expanded universe expanded too far. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep. We did uh-huh. not need to know this information. This is not necessary. This right. is not helpful. Right. And they were talking about, uh, uh, Various places where it's like, no, you've explained things too much. And Boba Fett was one of those characters mm-hmm. where the more we got to learn about him through comics and books and things like that and the prequels, the less interesting he actually was. Right. He's a character who works so much better when you don't really know anything about him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's much better when he's Clint Eastwood. Yeah. You know, he's he's the the man with no name. But I completely understand it because if you look at what we saw in the movies, he was very very cool in Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of hapless and pointless in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And so, you know, you kind of sit there and go, "Well, clearly we can give him more th- cool things to do, but the problem is, is that you just keep going and it's like, yeah. And we don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, especially seeing him as a kid. Now, you know, all 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 due respect to Daniel Logan, mm-hmm. who apparently I think is going to be at Planet Comic Con with Jeremy Bullock. Is he? Yeah, oh, cool. I think I have to go back and look at my schedule because I I want to. Uh, I don't know if we're getting that. I don't know if we got that panel or not. I'm going to have to look and see because I think Jeremy Bullock and Daniel Logan are mm-hmm. doing a doing a panel, doing a Q and A again. This year at Planet. Oh, cool. I think. I'll have to look again. But yeah, I mean, that, that's one of those things where, you know, seeing Boba Fett as a child and seeing him grow up and become this thing. Because, you know, the the whole mystique about that character was the fact that you didn't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. Is that anonymity that, that cloaked him in mystery. So, ooh, what is what is this? Well, and there's so many f- characters in fiction that have worked better. I mean, the Darth Vader was much more frightening in Star Wars mm-hmm. than he was um, at Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Well, by that time, you knew that he was Anakin Skywalker, and he was on a redemption arc. Right. By and that point, sure, and and to some degree, you know, as much as the redemption arc is classic literature. And it kind of mellowed. It's too late for me, so. Yes. Yeah. You know, so. But the thing is, of course, once you've gotten to that point and you've told that story, you have completely eliminated the need for the story of how he fell. Right. And yet we still got the I story know. of how he fell. Well, but it's. In all fairness to Lucas in writing that, um, he thought he had a story to tell. And that's the story he wanted to tell as a writer. However, um, he did seem to fall into that trap of not realizing that there's a point where you don't need to tell that story. You don't need to be the... I think it's I think it's similar to It's okay to keep the mystery. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same as, as what you guys are dealing with over with Fear the Walking Dead. Because you know the the way you and Dustin have talked about the fact that Fear the Walking Dead is days or weeks into the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, we're probably in a couple we've of months. Already, in now, so, we've yeah. already had six years of it on the Walking Dead proper, right. mm-hmm. and so the audience knows more than the characters, and the characters are doing things they shouldn't ought to do based on the information they have. Right. So they look doubly start, dumb. Yeah, you start getting into this prequelitis where. Uh, you know what's going to happen because you've already seen the other movie, right? And it's hard. It's hard to take that journey to get to the to the point that you've already seen because you know how it's going to end, right? And, and unfortunately, especially with something like Fear of the Walking Dead, what Dustin and I have found is that they're also doing it with the same kind of characters. Yeah, you talk about the archetypes, the, and, the, the matching, matching them up. And to some degree, I mean, archety- archety- archetypes are archetypes are archetypes. I mean, there's yeah. your, you know, the hero on the, the hero's journey, um, you know, the the fall of the villain, the rise of the, you know, redemption. All these things are are programmed into the stories that we tell. I mean, we've, mm. been, we've been doing it for thousands of years, right? Because yeah. we're the storytelling, we're the storytelling mammal. And, <laughs> but at the same time, 
you look at something like that and you go, okay, but you're just walking the same steps. You're mm-hmm. doing your, and you're not even trying to do something. Get back on the boat, Coral. Right. Well, and, and, <laughs> and the, Dustin and I just talked about this at one point. We, the exciting part about this show is that, and now it's on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, it's like, well, wait a minute. That was the part we were excited about. That was a, that was the interesting twist of the story. Right. Is that we, you know, instead of trudging through the woods, we were going to be on water and well, there, there are story possibilities. Um, but small plug for our most recent Zompocalypse Now podcast. Plug, plug, plug. Mm. Subtle. That's a very subtle plug. Yes, very I, subtle. Yes. Um, like how you just slipped that in there. I know. Yeah. And and we and because we just talk about it, we talk about the fact that uh, uh, there are <laughs> the time frame is the kind of thing where suddenly these people have forged these societies and these these things out of oh, nowhere. Yeah. yeah. That it's just like, well, that's not how people work. Yeah. Because and. I mean, look at the the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many brand new tribes and societies cropped up in the middle of New Orleans oh, on all and, of that? And in such a in such a, a situation, which I think for, and we all have a reference point to this. I think we really do, where you can sit there and go, "What is the worst natural disaster that we have had in the United States yeah. in our lifetimes?" Yeah. Okay. And what? Yeah, exactly. What happened? Well. Um, Everybody fought. Yes, it turned into Escape from New York. Yeah, and wait, no, it didn't. Yeah. Um, In fact, well, when the typhoon hit, um, was it Taiwan mm -hmm. that that got hit with that big typhoon? What happened there? The yakuza showed up to help people. See? Um, Oh, now see, now that that would be no. I'm sorry, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't that the um no the the nuclear the the nuclear plant. Oh yeah, meltdown. Yeah, yeah. The 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 yakuza showed up. Yeah, they did. They showed up with food and water, and they went to help people, because that's what you do. Well, didn't didn't organize? Didn't the mob do some of that in New York when nine eleven? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the 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 really interesting thing about people is that we turn out to not be awful all the time. I mean, there's plenty. That's just on the internet. Well, yeah, there's there's plenty of awful to go around the world. I mean, we you know all you have to do is get the news stories, you know, pay attention to the news and 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 go to the internet and go to Reddit, um, or or four four chan, and you can find all the evil you want in mm-hmm. you know hu- humanity being its worst. But when when push comes to shove, and that's that's the challenge about doing dystopian futures, is that you have the story you want to tell requires humans to behave in ways that are not really not, what not we believe. do. Well, and you I talk mean, about, you know, we talk about Doug's suggestion here on suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Post-apocalyptic stuff is always uh, assuming that as a requirement. I mean, you have to completely check out when it comes to uh, human behavior in in any kind of, of show like that, you know, the Maze Runner or Hunger Games mm-hmm. or what are some of the other ones? The uh, um, um, the one that was on TV. Uh, oh God! I did it. Yeah, so much of these just blur. Yeah. So y- any of these were were uh, divergent or any mm, of those, sure. uh, where you have to you have to go off of the idea that. Human beings will reorganize into completely different types of societies than we've ever seen that work on the planet. Well, what, and I think I think there's a fine distinction to make that you you cannot ignore that there will be villains. You cannot ignore that there will be demagogues. You cannot ignore that you'll have you know a, the future version of a Hitler or a Mussolini or right. or however you feel about the political system right now. Uh, you know, you can these the idea that that these people don't wouldn't rise to power again these kind of people and and and, and you know your your post apocalyptic whatever that world is the place where you could see that happening sure but 
it's not the only world. Yeah. And what ends up happening in so much of these, so many of these stories is that's the strength. That's that's where we're strong is where we've got the person at the top who's the monster, who's managed to surround himself with people who are dying to be led and mm-hmm. and like the governor and people like to be led. This the make no escape. If you stare at humanity long enough, you yes. realize that we are good followers, when yep. we, especially when we shouldn't be. Lots of sheeple. Yeah, and and some really smart, strong-willed people end up. Falling for that too. It's it's not you know I don't we're, I don't want to sit there and, and paint you know all the people. Um, Cracked magazine. They had a thing today about seven. I think it was seven people who were whose lives are more interesting than the characters they played in movie and TV. Okay. Oh right. Okay. And the guy who um, uh, the guy who played the governor, David Morrison. Mm-hmm. Okay. The article. The larger article was about uh, the lady who plays Lori. Oh, okay. uh, not, not, I'm sorry, not Lori. Uh, um, crap. Anyways, I'll, I'll back into this. Uh, David Morrison, uh, who plays the governor. Morrissey. Morrissey. He uh, recently went on a boat and helped refu- uh, rescue refugees. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know. Well, Harrison Ford did that um, uh, when he flew his helicopter in, in the middle of a fire and rescued some people at, right. at one point. I mean, yeah, so these are these are people. But, I mean, <laughs> the, the thing was, clearly the people on the boat had no idea he didn't have cable. Because they'd be like, <laughs> I'm not getting on the boat with him. Yeah. Um, well, there's your story on the boat. <laughs> yeah. So, I know. It's like, that's what we, we, want, we wanted. We wanted the governor spinoff anyway. You know, we wanted, we wanted him to have, when, when it looked like he was on his own redemption arc, uh-huh. we wanted, we were, we're kind of willing to follow along on his arc because yeah. that was interesting. Um, so, Lori Holden, turns out, um, has gone off to other countries with agents of an organization and helped breaking up sex trafficking rings. You know, I think I did see something she like that. She does this. She's done it more than once. Mm-hmm. She did it before The Walking Dead. She's done it since. The the girl who is in the AT&T commercials, mm-hmm. she's done, um, oh, what was it that I saw? She, she has uh, uh, produced... At least one, I think, a couple of different documentaries on the refugees coming out of um, um, Serbia. Right. Yeah. Because her family was from there. Mm-hmm. She's not an American. Sure. I mean, she, I think she's an American citizen now, but she grew up, I think, in in Serbia, Bosnia, some one one of those one of those, but not Serbia, Bosnia. Bosnia Herzegovina, right? Where all of that stuff was going on, um, I'd have to look it up to get the reference again. But she, yeah, she, and I'm like, this is the AT and T girl, right? But there's so much more depth to her in her real life. Sure, yeah, and yeah. I think that's I think that's something that that it's easy enough to forget mm-hmm. that that you know we get used to the persona that they play. It's like you know, it's like I would that that when I was doing reviewing Colony, it's like, but but that's the actress who played Laurie. Yeah. That's, that's she's she's ter- no she's not terrible she's yeah. actually she's actually good in this, and you forgot for a while that she was on a different show well, before Walking Dead, and you have to you have to remember that the actors are are saying the words somebody else put in their mouth exactly and, and it's, doing things that you but probably that's not wouldn't but that's not what happens we watch these shows where like you know. You can invest it. You're a terrible person. I'm an actor. Leave me be. (laughs) (laughs) Leave me alone. You talk about redemption arcs. You mentioned uh, uh, Darth Vader being more interesting in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I saw something the other... Was it yesterday? Um, Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War. Because mm-hmm. you know, they made the note, Darth Vader only has a certain number. He's like fourteen or fifteen lines. I mean, it's just a, a, a very tiny oh, number sure. of lines right. in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But he's the menace. He's the villain. He's the, oh, sure. you know yeah, that. Of course. Well, Spider Man. They they made the comparison. The Spider Man has more lines in his brief appearance in in Captain America's War than Superman has in his movie, <laughs> Batman versus Superman. Somebody actually counted. Right. Spider-Man, when he's he's in the movie all of what? 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Probably, it's a two yeah. and a half hour movie. Yeah. 
And he's got more dialogue than Superman has in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> well, for two reasons. Two reasons. One, Spider-Man is always the more talkative character. Right. But also the fact that the what they're doing, what Snyder was doing with these two movies, um, certainly, in well, in many ways... Batman versus Superman. Superman wasn't the focus. No, he's. I mean, he's not. He's. He's part of the reason for the. He's more the reason for the story than he is. He's the motivating factor for Batman, right? Yeah. And and so it was much more of a Batman movie than anything else. And with so, Wonder Woman watching the trailers for the other movies, right? Although still, she yeah. she was awesome in the film. She you was. See, you see the photo that the you see the cast photo they had of her. Uh huh. And they got the director. And and she's standing on one side, and uh, Chris Pine's on the other, and they just look so happy. Yeah, I'm just like oh, that. I like that. I like the fact they look happy. Um, yes. I got a chance to to exchange a couple of of, of Twitter messages with, with Tim Rosen from uh, uh, Winona Earth, Winona Earp. Yeah, and um. He said he's having a great time. He's he's always wanted to do a western. He he loves he loves this comic books, and so he's just having a blast. And I said that was one. I told him that that was one of the reasons I think that people really enjoy the show mm-hmm. is because the cast clearly is having a good time. Yeah. Well, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you go to these conventions where any of the cast are, are showing up, mm-hmm. and they're always telling stories about stuff that was going on on set. Right. And the fact that they are still together all of these years later, socializing together, having dinner together, mm-hmm. going to parties and going to do, going to events and doing all of these things, it does carry over into the show. Oh, sure. Yeah. You look at the cast of Firefly, you look at, um, you look at, well, some of the, just some of the, some of the photos we see coming out of the Star Wars shoots. Mm-hmm. Where you look at these people who knew themselves, you know, who met years and you know how many years ago, yeah, you know, and and they, there's these smiles on their faces, and that stuff really does come through. Uh, Peter Capaldi playing the Doctor, yeah, it's just the joy he has in playing the part is just you Kev- know. Kevin Smith talking about directing his episode of The Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, he says there's there's two crews on the show. Mm-hmm. There's two full crews. So when one's shooting one episode, the other one's shooting the next right, episode, yeah. they mm-hmm. go back and forth, right? So he he when he goes in his, his whole thing was to just really be the cheerleader. He he wanted to be the excited. He's a fanboy. He you know he loves the Flash and he's going to go in and oh this is, this is so cool we're shooting the Flash. This is just, I mean he just brought this energy and he said he had so many so many of the of the the cast of the crew came back and said this has re-energized me to get through the the rest of the season. Because you know it's it's toward the end of the season, people are getting tired, they're starting to get you know a little run down. Oh, and, it, and, and he just came in and, and just and doing chill. a television show is hard work. Oh yeah, it is yeah, very it is. hard work. You do not you work very long days, yeah. usually six days a week. Well, and Smith said that he he made a he made a good connection with this crew, mm-hmm. and if it ever turns out that he gets to direct another one, he wants to work with that team again. Right, and it, you're right when everybody is getting along. And all of it's firing on all thrusters, then you get a really, really, really good product as a result. And then when it's not, you hope that your cast and crew are really, really good actors because, yes. it, and because it's hard. Then, then they have to go promote it. Well, yeah, and we've seen uh, some, we've seen some examples here of of people not being good at promoting things anyway. But let yeah. alone, um, I think the most recent example of high profile disdain for each other. Was and it's not genre, but it was very public. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, uh-huh. where the two actors hated each other. Yeah, and they would be asked about you know, so how was it working together? And be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was lovely. They are a really nice person. I wish them nothing but the best. Die in a fire. Yeah, you know, it's it's it was very clear that these two were just like yeah, mm, no yeah, oil and water. If I could ever not see you again, that would be lovely. You know what I don't see right now? Coffee. Yeah, this is empty. Yeah, and, so and we are going to uh, we're going to refill coffee mugs and let you hear from our sponsor, SuperheroStuff.com. They are purveyors of fine licensed merchandise. 
Star Wars, Doctor Who, DC Comics, Marvel. Uh, I think right now the hero box, I believe, is a Wonder Woman hero box, but I'd have to go back and check. Cool. So uh, we will let you hear from them. And when we get back, we've been kind of meandering around. But when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about a fun... DC Comics Project. What? When H2O continues right after this. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com where heroes shop. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. Star Wars fans, McKenna Riley here, inviting you to join me for the latest news, rumor, and innuendo from a galaxy far, far away. Salacious crumbs only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. If you have opinions that you would like to share with us, the email address, h2o at sci-fiforme.com. We do read each and every one of those notes, and we do appreciate all the feedback that we get from people. We do. Um, we, we talked a little bit before the break about fun a fun comic book movie set right yes wonder woman they all look happy they do look now, happy they could be all happy that it's over well um, yes you know, but be... usually that usually you can tell that kind of smile did it look to you like she's wearing the the trunks or is she wearing the skirt i couldn't tell uh, that shot looked more like the skirt to me. Okay, but, all right. I, um, I, I didn't. I didn't get. I was. I saw it on my phone, and I didn't. I didn't look to to see what it was, but it it looked like the the Snyder no color version of Linda Carter's outfit. Well, to some degree, but of course, it's it's much more the the Greek influenced, mm-hmm. uh, which I like. I like. I like that look actually. For her. Speaking of Linda Carter, yes, we're actually going to be able to see her as the president. I in know Supergirl, which is getting a second season. Second season, yeah. However, moving to CW, yeah, which I'm okay with. Well, and we talked about this on Rogues Gallery, uh, and we'll talk about it on the next Rogues Gallery because I guess we'll have to schedule a, a recording session and do a new episode because we've got that and Greg Berlanti. Mm-hmm. Who was just named the Hollywood Reporter's TV Producer of the Year? I think justifiably was doing an interview, and they were asking him, "It's like, you know, Marvel's got Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever talked to you about being the Kevin Feige of the DC Cinematic Universe? What if, what if somebody would come to you and say, hey, you want to be Kevin Feige for DC?'" And he says, well, nobody's talked to me about that, but uh, but I am working on a movie. Right. Uh, it's a DC movie. Right. Booster Gold. Right. And the inter- internet just went squeak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, Zach Stentz mm-hmm. is writing the movie. Now, we got rumblings, and we can talk, we'll get into this in more detail in Rogue's Keller, but we got rumblings about this. Because Zach Sense wrote the episode of The Flash that Kevin Smith directed. Right. And it just aired. 
Mm-hmm. It was called The Runaway Dinosaur. And Stentz was on Fat Man on Batman, which is Kevin Smith's podcast thing. Sure. Uh, now video. And he said, you know, because Kevin asked him, he said, how, how did you get the gig to write the script? And Zach Stentz was like, well, I was working with Greg Berlani and Sarah Schechter on this other project I can't talk <laughs> about. And so then, you know, then... You know, Devin Devin Farsi over at uh, Birth Movies Death said that his people were telling him that Zach Sense was working on a Booster Gold script, and now we've got official confirmation because there were there were rumors uh, a couple of months ago that Greg Berlanti was working on something, right? That there was a possibility it was a Booster Gold thing, and we've heard for how many years now? Two was it two years? That sci-fi was supposed to be developing a Booster Gold television show with yeah, Jeff Johns, uh-huh, and right. that that disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had somebody, somebody asked Alan Tudyk, right from Firefly, about doing a a Booster Gold Blue Beetle thing with Nathan Fillion, mm-hmm. and he says I'd be all over that. Yeah, <laughs> and of course he's now on Powerless. Which just got a series order from NBC. Right. Uh, that that news broke this week. Uh, and what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to po- we're going to get an article that ra- that that collects all of the new shows and the cancellations and all those others because because all of this stuff is rolling out of the upfronts. Right. Now, mm-hmm. so we're in the midst of collating all of that, and we'll have uh, we'll have big, long. Detailed articles next week. I imagine that Allison Isberg will write a few of those because that's what she does. She jumps on those. Yeah, yeah. I need three more of her. No cloning. Doesn't end well. But no. But nope. But new. Always ends poorly. See, but Allison already has two L's in her name, so we won't have to add another. Did you not see what happened with the stormtroopers? She'll be able to write straight. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really excited about the Booster Gold movie for two reasons. Try the veal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for two reasons. One is, of course, that if this particular group of people who are working on it mm-hmm. are going yeah. to are going to give us the humor that's inherent in the character, but also be able to give us the tragedy that's inherent in the character. Um, Booster. Yeah. So for for those of you who don't know who Booster Gold is. And considering that there's a whole realm of people that think that Iron Man was just, you know, a B-list Marvel character. Right. Um, and for a good chunk of the audience, he was. You know, he was. Um, so same thing with Booster Gold. And so Booster Gold showed up in the 80s. First mm. first came to attend uh, with the, um, when DC had acquired the, the Charlton Comics characters. So they, was he Charlton? No, no. He wasn't, but Blue Beetle was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right, right. And so this was, this was the uh, that period of time where they were taking a lot of these characters who were included the Question and Peacemaker, um, basically the the characters who would come to be the were the basis for the Watchmen characters, right? Because um, Alan Moore originally wanted to use those characters. Uh, yeah, and then DC said no. Right, we're going to do something else with them. Blue Beetle was uh, was it Al Al. Owlman? Night Owl. Night Owl. Yeah. So Night Blue Owl. was Night Owl. Um, uh, the question, question was, was Rorschach. And uh, the the a lot of the core a lot of the core character traits of Doctor Manhattan and the Watchman was um, uh, Captain Adam, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not there's two Captain Adams. Not the Captain Adam, the silver guy with the red red emblem on his chest, the other Captain Adam. Well, the, the earlier version of yeah, that character. Early, yeah, And it was the same, it was Nathaniel Adam, but it was the the, the one that um, modern DC audiences are familiar with was the soldier who became the... Yeah, he's know. a different a different version of that character. Right, so the, in any, in any event, the, uh, um, so Blue Beetle and, these are the comedy characters in many respects, because this is about the time that the Justice League international came along mm-hmm. and this was of course was played for laughs this was this was superheroes as it was the sitcom comic book right and it gave us one of the best punches 
in the history of yeah. comics. One punch. One punch. Uh, and one of the best versions of Batman we've ever gotten because the seriousness put against the silliness was a great yeah. contrast. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, one of the periods where Batman had gone really dark. In fact, in fact this was post uh, Dark Knight Returns. Right. And so the, the serious Batman was what everybody got. So we basically have Batman playing up against characters who were ludicrous. So Booster Gold is there and, and, and Blue Beetle. And Booster Gold is a guy from the future who basically stole all of his stuff and went back to the time to become a superhero for profit. It was all about making money. Yep. I want to be famous. And somewhere along the way, as such things are wont to do, also classic storytelling, he discovered he was actually a hero and that he liked being a hero. Yep. And he ended up saving people. But See, he was And they played that arc really well in the animated oh, series. Yeah. Uh, he he got a couple of episodes there where you know, he was he was relegated I, I remember one episode <clears throat> he was relegated to crowd control. Mm-hmm. And somehow ended up being right there in the front line of whatever was going on and saved a couple of people. Mm-hmm. And that that realization there of like, oh, yeah, I actually can do this. You know, who, who do you think they're going to get to play Skeets? Well, it's a voice. It's a voice. Um, oh. mm-hmm. Should have been Alan Rickman. Oh, well, because uh, the voice, the voice in the animated is is a little bit higher. It's a little bit higher pitch. Yeah, I know. You know it's but... almost like a, a C three PO type. Yeah, but I, I think that well, there's. See, Alan Rickman played the played the robot in Hitchhiker's Guide. Well, yes, but the I think the 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 potential could have been a lot of it's just the archness of Rickman's voice could have been just loads of fun with that. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I, I'm not sure. There's so many different ways they can do, go with this because, for those who again who don't know, spoiler alert for the character, and for a revelation that's what a decade old now, uh. something like that. Um, Booster Gold is essentially the savior of reality. I mean, he basically has he saved time. Right. He is the biggest hero um, that in the future he's regarded as one of the greatest heroes there ever were, and he will never know this because. He's the way that he basically is this great hero is that he considers himself not to be a very good hero. Um, and everyone kind of looks at him sort of like a joke. Mm-hmm. They still look at, you know, they don't take him seriously. Yeah. You know, they, he saves people and that's great, but he's not like, he's not like Superman or anything. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not important. I'm one of the, I'm one of the big heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the Time Masters, uh, Rip Hunter. Uh, which could be really weird if they tie it somehow into. Oh, <laughs> Wouldn't know, that right? be interesting? Right. Um, because it's the revelation that that uh, Rip Hunter is Booster Gold's son, and uh, and that basically spoilers. Spoilers, right? Well, maybe it's hard to tell yeah. uh, with the lure, but still, it's anyway. He's a character who started off as a, as, as, a, as a joke character in many respects, uh, who basically, of the course of some really solid writing over the course of decades, mm-hmm. uh, was revealed to be a very, very cool character. and But you know this means there's a possibility that we're going to get blue and gold. Well, see, that's exactly what has to happen, because if you're... We know that Ted Cord... He exists in the Flareoverse. That's right, and he was originally going to be... Uh, the original idea was, was not to have Ray Palmer. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Ray Palmer's suit... <laughs> You can kind of, for those of you who are comic book fans, who who are familiar with the character from the comics and not just from the show, you would know that, uh, or are likely to know that the that's a lot closer to the beetle suit. And even then, it's not. It's even then, it's not really close to the beetle yeah. suit. But, but you, yeah. but you can get your brain around it. The Ted Cord. Uh, uh, I could see tech it, billionaire. I can see it being the beetle suit. With a couple of modifications. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, and I don't mind the the it being the Adam suit. I, I don't, I don't mind the interpretations that they've gone with here, mm-hmm. mostly because we get more Brandon Ruth. Um, yeah, he's good. He's because, doing really well. Uh, I, st- I still still maintain that he just needed a really good Superman script, and uh, yeah, he'd still be Superman. But 
some things you just don't get. Sometimes yeah. you can't have the pony. Or a third season of Agent Carter. Right. Or and... Marvel's Most Wanted. That's not going yeah. forward Yeah. Well, and I, I wonder somehow... Um, the the loss of Agent Carter, while unfortunate, is it's not a huge. We 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 and we've talked about that. We talked about this when we were watching the show. Is that the ratings were down? Yeah. It's also a period piece. Um. And as much as I love a good period piece, and it's a hard sell for a lot of people. It is a hard sell, which is really unfortunate, because there's something cool about. I mean, there's. You know, it's it's a post World War II spy slash almost superhero show. Mm-hmm. You know what they should have done with it? They should have done Man from Uncle or or the other Avengers style of, of yeah, they, you could see stories that. Yeah. for her. You know, not, I, I wouldn't have been I had a problem with that at all. Yeah, that would have been that would have been fun. More capers. Well, yeah, and I think that I think that you end up with uh, a balancing act. There, that I think they they tried it pretty well. It just didn't catch. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because it's a great cast, and I think there was some un, there's well, yes, there was certainly some unevenness to the characters. But it means we're not going to get any Agent Flamingo. Well, that's true. And you know, because Agent Carter is a prequel to Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> we know this because you have Agent Flamingo, right? Yeah. And then you have the other one was the. Uh, the koala. Right, yeah. Right? All you got to do is just give him fedoras. Of course. And put him at the organization without a cool acronym. Mm-hmm. And boom, Bob's your uncle. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Agent Carter is a Phineas and Ferb prequel. I, you know, I should I should, I should, should ask, um, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the guy, the guys who, the guys who, uh, who created um, Phineas and Ferb. Oh goodness! One of them follows us on Twitter, ah. um, and I I should ask him about that. Hey, would you, do you see do you see uh, Agent Carter as a as a prequel? Is it? I mean, it's a Marvel property. Is it, it Dis- is. Disney property? That's true. I don't uh, see why not. Sure. Okay, so so we have teased you now uh-huh. with discussion of DC Comics properties mm-hmm. and discussion of Marvel. Properties. Wait, wait, wait. Positive discussions of DC yes. properties. Who'd have thunk it, right? DC movie properties. I know. Because that opens the door to a whole other possibility that I don't want to get into here because we're going to discuss it on the Rogues Gallery. Right, yeah. Which you can also find here on, on uh, iTunes and on podcast.com and we'll post them on our on our main site. And then also the 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 Agent Carter demise and uh, and Marvel's Most Wanted and all of that. We will get into a little bit on the next level eleven seven. That one's going to be a packed episode because it's a two hour finale for the show. Okay, for I Agents think, of Shield. I think next episode we need to talk about the two hour season finale. All right, and then the episode after that we yeah talk we, about do, what we do we do we do a postscript because we're going to go probably Late. quiet there for a while. Uh we may go we may go monthly. Yeah, but you know if. Oh, yes. you know, Haley's going to be here. Yes. In a week. Yes. I know. I wish we could get her on to talk about stuff. I'm going to send an email. I think you should. I think I will. All right. Um, what else do we want to talk about tonight? I think I think we're, we're good for now. We're good. We, ra- we, we rambled on the first half. We, so it was, kind of, it was kind of a stream of consciousness kind of one. A little bit, yeah. yeah. And that's okay. That's all right. You know, this is honestly, folks. This is kind of, to some degree, the way Jason and I talk about this. This is, this, <laughs> this is how this whole thing came to be. You know, it's like, why are we recording this? What this? about this? What? Well, remember this? Because you know, you'd have these conversations where we start off with a point, mm. and then we end up like thirty minutes later going. And, and that's what I meant when I said yeah. 30 minutes ago, <laughs> you know, this is the thing. And and they'd be like, oh, okay. It's funny because there are times, uh, and, and I, I can go back and throughout most of my adult life, mm-hmm. where I can say something, and I'm in the middle of a conversation, and somebody says something, and I can trace 
hear to hear to hear to hear to hear to hear to hear in my head uh-huh. how I got to this other thing, this next thing that I say. And they look at me like, where did that come from? Right. Well, you said this, and that made me think of this, which made me think of this, which is this, and this, and so I said this. And they mm-hmm. went, and then just look at me like I grew a third head or something, or a second head. I only have one. <laughs> like, Actually, I want to yeah, let you guys I, on a little secret. Uh, Jason actually has two heads. Jason's, Jacob, Jason. Keep, keep the other one under my hat. I was going to say, this is, it's, maybe it's time for you to, you to reveal your secret identity as Zaphod Evilbrox. <laughs> 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 I feel, I feel, I feel more. I I identify more with the robot. Yeah, most well, days. Most of us do, actually. No. Uh, the, what was his name? Nor- Marvin. Marvin. Yes. Marvin. Marvin, uh, Marvin. Marvin was the most human of them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So that's going to do it for us that this week. Uh, if you have thoughts or or ideas or suggestions uh, that you would like to have, to- you know, you want to share your th- your ideas with us, your opinions, uh, you can send us an email h two o at sci fi for me dot com. If you're going to be in Kansas City next weekend. Uh, the 20th, 21st, 22nd, Planet Comic Con. We are going to be recording our 115th episode that weekend. Yeah. Uh, for release the next week. Uh, and we are going to be giving away a superhero stuff hero box. And I think I, we're going to have to talk about the mechanism for doing this. But I think what we're going to do is <coughs> is a hashtag. Uh, H2O Podcast 115. And we need to we need to come up with some way to determine who's going to get this hero box because we're yeah. going to give away a hero box from superherostuff.com uh, to one lucky listener. And uh, those of you who are listening on iTunes, uh, don't forget if you if you have uh, uh, an easy way to get to the rate and share buttons in the app, uh, if you could share that with us so we could share with others uh, and let people know how they could do that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, go check out our other podcast, Zompocalypse Now, talking about Fear the Walking Dead, Tim and Dustin over there. We've also got the Rogues Gallery, talking about DC Comics properties, and Level 117, talking about Marvel properties. And uh, in a few weeks, we're getting ready to record a brand new Sci-Fi for Chicks, talking about Black Widow, and in uh, female hero-type characters. So all sorts of good stuff percolating, and we've got content that we hit onto our website um, pretty much every day. Yeah. We've got something new. So check that out, sci-fi for me.com and horror for me.com. We're, we're slowly building that one up as well. And uh, that's going to do it for us. If you want to leave a comment, we're on the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Google plus YouTube, Tumblr. We'd like to hear from you. Yes. And our Pinterest boards are all cosplay all the time. You know, I, as much as I, as much as I crab about social media, the Pinterest boards, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. It's kind of cool because, yeah. you know, you can see all these cosplayers doing all this stuff. And, and, and we're posting all sorts of uh, costume tutorials and prop tutorials. And here's how you do this. And here's how you make mm-hmm. this. And LED lenses to make your eyes light up. And I was like, this stuff is kind of cool. <laughs> I don't have any time to do it, but yeah, it's kind of cool. So, it's cool to see what other people come up with. Yeah. So all of that uh, you can you can find and read and uh, in the meantime, and then we will be back with another episode of H2O next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. 